Welcome to the Talking Tenancies podcast, brought to you by the Residential Tenancies Authority. I'm your host, Belinda Hyde. Join me as we explore everything you need to know about renting in Queensland with experts from the RTA and industry. We're here to help make renting work for everyone. Regular and open communication between parties in a tenancy is key to preventing disputes. If there is a dispute, it's best to be proactive, respectful and communicate clearly while negotiating and finding a resolution. Make sure you understand your rights and responsibilities under Queensland tenancy laws and share information and knowledge with each other to work together. Today's expert from the RTA is Shay Francis from Customer Experience. Welcome, Shay. Thank you for having me back, Belinda. We're so excited to have you back by popular demand. <laughs> now, um, can you tell us about your role at the RTA and what you're responsible for? Sure, absolutely. So like previously mentioned, um, I've been working here at the RTA for five years now. It's been a great time ever since I've started. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment, I'm leading a team of experienced officers within the dispute resolution team. Um, so our primary focus uh, is to assist parties in reaching that mutual agreement uh, and to also be impartial um, through those conversations to try and help parties navigate to a favourable outcome. So as conciliators, uh, we aim to create and provide a calm and supportive environment so that parties feel that they can discuss their concerns and reach a resolution. These discussions are facilitated via a teleconference and at a mutually agreed time between the representatives from both parties in attendance. The desired outcome we look to achieve is to uh, be able to explore and navigate options, such as previously mentioned, mutual agreement. Through these discussions, we look to reality test and educate our customers around their legislative requirements, as well as discussing self-resolution strategies that they may consider if they find themselves in a similar situation in the future. Yes, and uh, today we are talking about uh, the steps to self-resolution, which is what we recommend in every kind of tenancy dispute. But what are the benefits for all parties involved? Look, there's a multiple of benefits, but I guess we can start stepping them out to bring it into context for everyone and what they can do on a day-to-day basis, just like being an adult, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So it's the ability to raise the issue uh, in a productive manner, um, which may prevent problems and and further stress. Um, When you're able to have a productive conversation and communicate respectfully, it actually helps to build that rapport and trust with the other person and makes them feel better continuing into that ongoing relationship. Because as we all know, respect is something that we all love, but we also need to give. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And by working together, it also means that you can make informed decisions and actively shape and influence the outcome or the solution. Um, Self-resolution also saves everyone time and money. Mm. Don't we all love that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dispute resolution at the RTA is free. Um, However, if we're unable to resolve the matter um, and we do need to refer that on to QCAT, um, it can take up a lot of time and it also does cost you money. Mm. Um, so often the quickest way is for parties to actually, you know, get together, have a conversation and also look to then document that conversation so then everyone is on the same level of understanding mm. and has something to refer to in order to move forward. Uh, we also know that parties who volunteer through the dispute service, uh, we do have that 70% conversion rate. So... Mm. Obviously, yet again, 
highlighting the importance of, of you know those conversations. That's uh, that's amazing stats too. We've we've um, spoken about this before on the podcast. Seventy percent of those disputes are resolved. Absolutely. Now, um, a lot of people don't know that part of our role at the RTA is to facilitate and help customers with that self-resolution should you find yourself in a dispute. So how do we do that, Shay? Uh, so yes, we understand that sometimes these discussions and conversations around the tenancy disputes can be highly emotional uh, and difficult for people to bring up. Mm. Obviously because people do take that sense of ownership yeah. as their home, as also the, you know, the home of the lessor who's renting it out. So... Mm. There is a lot of emotions attached to that. So it, it's about, you know, not being too overly um, positional mm. at this point. Um, we talk about self-resolution a lot at the RTA with our customers and avoiding difficult conversations tends to lead to conflict because mm. obviously things fester. Yeah. <laughs> Time to get it out there. <laughs> so I hope that the practical tools and tips in this podcast can help parties or provide some steps to them to be able to structure and tackle these conversations um, and be able to assist with that self-resolution. And of course, if self-resolution doesn't work, we can always apply for the dispute resolution at the RTA for further assistance, um, where our team of highly skilled intake and conciliation officers uh, will be able to assist parties through those difficult conversations. Obviously, we're here to help, otherwise we don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, one of the things we were just talking about off-air as well, Shay, is that um, you know the RTA uh, is, is impartial, you know, we, we are Switzerland and um, we don't take sides or, or tell people what to do regardless of whether they're a tenant or a managing party. That's exactly right. It's very important for, I guess, our customers to understand our position within this conversation and it's to be impartial. Mm. We don't have the authority to determine who's right and who's wrong, although mm. we do see evidence. We may have a personal opinion, but it's not our position to project that op opinion onto the parties that are in the dispute. So there is that possibility that if the parties don't agree, we do need someone to make that decision. And in this scenario, it would be our lovely friends at QCAT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, one of the biggest aspects in dispute resolution is good communication. And this is something that we talk about in almost every episode of this podcast. But what does it mean and what practical tips can you give us here? Sure, Belinda. So you're definitely right. We do talk a lot about what communication is. Um, so good communication uh, from our perspective is crucial to self-resolution and resolving issues in general. Mm. So it can be applied to everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are multiple aspects to good communication and a few things that we would look for, I guess, in this realm would be um, to consider the communication method and your audience. Mm. What's best for what you would like to achieve? So are there any barriers to the communication that you need to consider? So things around culture, emotions, technology. Also with, you know, communicating via text, it does, mm. you know, not have that tonality. So it may come across a little bit harsh when you don't mean it that way. It so can be so misunderstood, can't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess it's always good to potentially start off with that voice conversation mm. because people can pick up on those type of frequencies. They know that, you know, you may not be communicating in such a way. Mm. It may then de-escalate the situation. Mm. Um, also, there's the communication methods of, you know, using uh, emails and text, I guess, conversations to cement the discussion. Mm. So people can, you know, as I said previously, have that reference tool. Um, and then you also have the ability to then reply to each other on the agreement to confirm the understanding. So mm. so really just wrapping up what you've agreed on, yeah? Absolutely. Mm. Every time you communicate about an issue or a dispute, 
make sure you remain calm and clear in your communication. So what we like to reference within the business is the four C's. So clear, correct, complete and courteous. Mm. But last but not least, communication is a two-way street. So the most important thing to also do is to listen and pay attention mm. to what the other person is saying. What you might find within that is, is that they have misunderstood your initial point, you've misunderstood their response, so it just becomes one big mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so bit, I think by listening and then, then responding, taking into consideration the other party's position mm. can help people a lot. Yeah. So let's run through the checklist for self-resolution and all the things you need to consider, starting with preparing for the discussion. Yes, definitely. Preparation is also a very big key to this whole self-resolution strategy. Mm. So it's to think about what the problem is and what we you would like to happen. It can help to jot down a few notes about the problems and your desired outcome. Think about what the problem actually is and what you would like the outcome to be. So it could help to write down a few dot points to what the problem is and what you would consider as the desired outcome. Uh, if you are unsure about the problem, the context or background or what the other person stands on the issue is, write down some questions on what you would need to seek clarification on. This is super important as a lack of information and knowledge and relying on assumptions are the main causes of disputes escalating in the first place, mm. just like we mentioned before. <laughs> <laughs> um, it also does help um, to be correct in the information on hand and sticking to the facts. Mm. So everyone should be on the same page when the discussions happen. And it is also good practice sh should the matter proceed to the tribunal where the whole process is evidence-based. Mm. So I guess the key there is to also, when you're communicating, try to limit the emotion that you're displaying through that whole. Absolutely. It can be so easy to, to, to go to the feelings yes. and feel <laughs> the feels. I think it's really important to stick to the facts there, yeah. Absolutely. So what we also need to remember is the rental premises is also the tenant's home. It's at the property owner's investment and it's the property manager's day-to-day -day business. So all parties involved generally have a very keen interest in this tenancy. So to keep people's perspective in mind when trying to reach that agreement, we do need to ensure that we're trying to consider what outcome we're trying to achieve. Negotiations involve give and take. So really have a think about what your bottom line is and what it isn't, obviously, <laughs> uh, and how it might fit in with what the other person wants. It also helps to be a realistic and flexible, so negotiation, which is the whole point, I mm. guess. <laughs> Have an open mind. Mm. Um, so you are more than likely to resolve a dispute if you're realistic. So don't come in looking for $10,000 if you know that, you know, that's not achievable. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I would encourage our customers to think about the outcome that they could live with. Because mm. obviously through our dispute service, it's not always about getting that ultimate outcome. It's, all, it's about negotiation and something that you could look to walk away with potentially, you know, relatively unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we also do to achieve that is we reality test our customers in, mm -hmm. in that realm. So what do they often think that the other party would consider? And most of the time, no one really wants to keep going back and forth on the same issue. Yeah. So without resolving it, so we do need to move forward. And remember that you need you all share a common goal mm. in finding that resolution, which I think is the most important step is to opt into in good faith. Mm. And I guess to sum it all up, we need to think of a few options. Um, so if you don't reach the result you're looking for, what do you do next? What's your plan 
A, B, C or D. <laughs> <laughs> so so just in that point as well, Shay, I think it's really important in those negotiations that you actually stop and actually think about the other party and, and get in their shoes instead of completely being all about yourself. And I know that can be yes. hard <laughs> when, you, when you've got an objective. Uh, it's really important to think about, hmm, how's it going for them? Exactly right. Now, the next step is discussing with the other person. Yes, so definitely, obviously, without the other person, we wouldn't have a negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we would, I guess, consider or, um, you know, give some um, direction on is to clarify concerns and the desired outcome, an apology, an explanation or a specific action. So be clear about your concerns, describe the problem and the impact the problem is having. Make sure you clarify what your desired outcome would be as a starting point and be prepared to negotiate. Stay calm and stick to the facts. Make sure you have the correct information. Be respectful of the professional relationship you have with the other person and always be courteous in your discussions. Remember, it's always better to preserve the relationship you have with the other party as it will continue through the tenancy. It doesn't just end there. No. <laughs> <laughs> what you also need to consider is offer constructive ideas to resolve the issue. So put yourself in the shoes of the person who isn't involved in the situation. How might they view that? So mm. that's, I guess, an important step with the processes. That's how an adjudicator would apply themselves through this process is to take that objectional view, view the information and facts, minus obviously the emotion, mm. and make a ruling on your outcome. Mm. Um, again, it's important to keep an open mind and be flexible in that negotiation. And in some cases, you may reach an agreement after a single discussion. Ultimate goal, yay, let's all jump and celebrate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you might have an initial discussion on the phone, then decide to arrange a meeting to talk about the issues. Whatever the outcome of the discussion, ensure that you keep a written record of the agreement reached. Exactly. So, step three, there's the follow-up discussion. Oh, that's the most also most important step as well. And uh, see so if you agree to the plan, make sure that you are clear about the time frames. So putting it in writing, what actions will be taken, who will do what, and when it will be completed. Keep a record of all the contacts, so like phone calls, emails, letters, and text messages for reference. And of course, you can always give the RTA a call if you need assistance with self-resolution. We can provide information and practical suggestions to help you resolve the issue, which may save you having to go through the dispute resolution process. The RTA website also contains a lot of information that could assist you through this. Also, having clear, correct and complete information when you call us helps us to give you tailored information and suggestions to resolve the issue. Absolutely. Now, um, we have a bit of a case study um, where uh, there was a QCAT matter outcome yes. and how it could have uh, been different if self-resolution was attempted or parties had good faith and resolved via conciliation instead of going to those lengths. Can you give us a bit of a background on that one, Shay? Yeah, sure. So the example that were, comes to mind uh, was over a bond-related um, matter. Mm -hmm. So parties attempted to resolve through the RTA's conciliation process, which is obviously a positive first step to settling the matter outside of the tribunal, and that also why we exist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, through our conversations with the parties involved, uh, it was actually highlighted that they were willing to negotiate and offers were made through the process, mm -hmm. which is obviously moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned previously, sometimes the outcomes may not be ideal. So, However, we do try to work towards an outcome that all parties can live with. 
keyword mm. live with. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, in this particular instance, uh, the disputing party had reached their non-negotiable level. Mm. So that it wasn't you know far off, but they had reached that point. Um, and the matter was then having to be referred to QCAT for that final outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, the outcome to this particular case was that the disputing party ended up having to pay more than, than what was offered through the conciliation process, not to mention the length of time uh, it took um, to see it through to the end. Mm. Uh, so if the disputing party, I guess, in this instance, um, had accepted the offer through the conciliation process, um, that they could have saved themselves some time, some money, uh, and also had more control mm. o- of that in, you know, that outcome. Um, so I believe this case, you know, just highlights the importance of keeping that open mind uh, and ensuring that, you know, you consider the offers, you know, being put on the table because at that point, you know, you're putting your destiny in someone else's hands mm. and you then have no control. So I guess things are also always good in hindsight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, when we reach that ne- non-negotiable limit, it's it's good to also, you know, take a broader view yes. and actually understand that you're actually going to be liable for costs for QCAT, yes. um, for other inconveniences yep. if you keep pushing the matter. Absolutely. And you can't control that outcome. Yeah. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind. If you're going to be persistent in a dispute, mm-hmm. um, you may you may not be the winner in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Look, and I think it's also important for parties who have experienced, you know, similar situations where they have been to tribunal and not particularly uh, been a favourable outcome for them, that mm. they may choose to do some reflection on, on that particular, you know, interaction um, and look to potentially engage the RTA more and be more considerate of what's on offer because, I mean, first time you get stung, sort of okay. Second time it becomes a repetitive thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, I guess, you know, it's a a good thing to reflect and hopefully, you know, the RTA can um, assist you and not have to proceed to QCAT. Mm, Some lessons to be learned there, I think. Oh, oh, definitely. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Shay, for joining us. Oh, more than welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. And and helping us to get that greater understanding of self-resolution in a tenancy dispute. Thank you for listening to the Talking Tenancies podcast. For more information about the Residential Tenancies Authority, visit rta.qld.gov.au.